Okay, so we finished up a short series last week of, yes, we're not going to review it, but it was short. Sorry if you weren't here or you missed out on it. Um, so we're going to start a new series tonight and this is going to be a longer series that's going to run until July. Oh my gosh, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, what's a long one? I don't know. Yeah, Something all over again. Um, Jacob, well, I don't think we've ever done this before. Oh yeah, and um, so. Jacob, just a little heads up, I might not be here sometimes because I joined. The, they had to join the track team. So starting May 3rd, I might not be here. Okay, that's alright. Not a problem. Um, so, yeah, a question for you. Where does your freedom come from? Ooh. Okay. No. Like, like, okay, in what sense? Any sense? Um, technically it comes from the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, plus, plus I'd say the, God, because without any of that, that wouldn't exist without God. None of those would exist. So I'd say God. Okay. If wants to be free, we wouldn't be free. Okay. What's the name of I've never firmly meant this, but it's because... We, we talked about this, liberty and so, freedom. Briefly. Because we were obeying God and kept, or, and like in the beginning of our country, we wrote our constitution, the Bill of Rights, on the, the the standards of what God wanted. He blessed us with our freedoms. Okay. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Whoever would like to read that can read it. 26. And God said, Let us make man our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay. Has everybody heard that verse before? Yes. It's God creating human beings, right? So he started with Adam, and then he made Eve. And tell me, what do you think the important part of that verse is? Having dominion over everything? Nope. All right. No, in, in that, their image. In, in our image. After our likeness. <gasps> Who's so, wait, whose image is it Lord, after? Oh my gosh, Jesus and God. And? And the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we are made in God's image. What does that mean? Does it, it means. Did I spell that right? Image? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like. Does that mean we look like God? No, no it means He made us the way He wanted us to be, kind of. He created our. Hmm. Like we have, yeah, to be like him in some ways. Okay, what ways do you think we are like him, yes. Gideon? We have a mind, I guess. Okay, I like that. So. What did you say? I don't know, like our, I don't know, like our consciousness, like. Okay, that's, so that's a term that is thrown out there all the time right now. Like if you're. Consciousness, like you what does that mean to be. Like, like evidence that. Because like, you can't just all of a sudden get consciousness. Technically. Like you can't just, okay. Technically your consciousness comes from a part of your brain. And if damaged, you cannot tell the right, the difference between right and wrong. Oh, you're th you're thinking of your conscience versus consciousness. Yes. Like awareness. Pretty sure they're spelled the same. I might have spelled it wrong. Conscience, but. Conscience. Yeah. Same thing. They're close. Okay. We're close enough. You guys know that. So yes, conscience is being able to your innate ability to tell right from wrong. Which God technically did give us. But a consciousness is your 
um, your awareness, your self-awareness, your, you could say it's your ability to reason, to think, to figure things out. Um, to breathe, to walk. Not necessarily because what can a fly do? Walk, do like basic stuff. Okay, right. But they're not like. Do you think they're conscience, no. conscious of the, their existence in this world? That no. there are bigger things than them and that. I'm pretty sure they Probably realize, not. I'm pretty sure they realize that every time they see a human now. And technically they have like 180 eyes, so they should be able to see. No, I don't think so. They, they just, they don't really think. I don't know if they've specifically studied them, but we've studied other animals and their brain waves and we put them through all sorts of things and what they can figure out. And some things are pretty smart. The, you know, dolphins, you can teach them stuff. Monkeys, you can teach them how to use a tool, but they can't make a tool. But they're not aware of like what's outside of they don't, what they know. They don't think about existential things like who are you? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What am I doing here? They don't think about those kinds of things. So that's good. We got, these two are good. What else? What else do you think we are like God? Our emotions, like the fruits of spirit. Emotions, yes. That's a good one because we're not just heartless creatures that we, we feel things strongly we experience things and that it makes life it gives the flavor to life right you can be all scientific with your conscience or well now I'm really gonna do it with your consciousness and your mind and be mathematic and all this stuff but that doesn't even come into emotions besides that there's you can have adrenaline and um, whatever else, endorphins that are released, but it's more than that. So that's something that is like an un unexplainable that we get from God, that he made us like him. What else? Technically, if we were emotionless, we'd probably be like automatons, just doing whatever we're told. Right, right. And that is an important thing where we always come back here and that is leading me to what I'm trying to draw out of you. It relates again, to these two here. And again, if you think about it, some emotions are actually what cause some wars. What? Yes. What do we do that... Because we look at the Bible and in Genesis here with God creating all the stuff, and nothing else does he ever say, I created it in my image. He doesn't he say that about he, angels. He said he created us in our own image. No, his, when he means our, he means like him, the, Jesus, the Trinity. and Trinity's own image. Not us, our, but his, our. If you think about it, the devil could have gotten his and actually change us somehow before we even eat the fruit, if you think about it. Nope. He would have said that. He would have said that otherwise. So, what, what's important? It's going off of, Felicia was close. She said, otherwise you'd be just a... Automaton, blindly following commands. Yeah, like a robot. What do you have the ability to do? To choose. What do you choose? What we do. Okay, what you do. A certain path, what you think about. You can choose to do bad things, right? You can choose to do good things. You can choose whether to follow God or divide. Right, so that's an important part. And free will. Yes, free will. And that's, that's something people have debated forever about. Like, do we have free will? Do we not? All this kind of stuff. Um, um, they wouldn't have free will from America was a totalitarian government. That is true, to a certain degree. Um, but you will all, here's one of the great things is you, no one can ever tell you what to think. They don't know what you're thinking unless you let them know what you're thinking. And some people say, 
say get your head out of the clouds. A lot of times people that are just like to a lot of people not even knowing what they're thinking about. That's true, right? So and that's the important part where we say that only God knows somebody's heart. So um, let me ask you another question then, if this is important here, that you have the freedom to choose. What hinders your freedom? What keeps you from having the ability to choose? The um, devil? He might be able to influence how you choose, but I wouldn't say that he directly. I would explain to me more what you mean by the devil. I mean, like how he influences some people into doing wrong things, like how he influenced Adam and Eve to eat the fruit. Okay. The question is, though, how did the snake get in the garden? I was already there. So how, so how does that Adam and Eve eating, choosing to do wrong hinder your freedom, Felicia? Because they made it to every sin. We're not allowed in the Garden of Eden anymore because of it. Okay, so... It also caused a lot of bad things in the Bible, like Cain and Abel, and Cain eating Abel, and Cain like eating Abel and all that. We're here now. Oh, he killed him. He didn't eat him. And not everyone goes to hell. Like, you have to... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you choose not to do bad things, but, like, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, there's more struggle. Okay, there's more struggle. So what do you call all these things that are a result of sin? Stress, temptation, evil, the devil. Punishment. I don't know. If you... If you fail to take out the trash, what might you get? <laughs> a consequence. As what? Punishment. Punishment comes from consequences. Not always. Not always. Punishment comes from consequences. If I didn't take out the trash, I would probably get the, one of the consequences would have been punishment. So that is kind of right. Right. No, it is one of those. It is one of those. Um, and or things where or both and you know where it could be sometimes it is sometimes it isn't all right so let's go to and I think you've been here recently first James chapter one um, yeah, it's towards the end of the New Testament by Peter and Revelations. First James chapter 1. There's not, but there's not a second James. Is it just James? Uh, right? No, I think there's... Oh, sorry. Yes, just James. I don't know why I said that. James chapter 1, verse 25. But being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. Okay. <clears throat> what, what does perfect law of liberty mean? You guys talk about this? No. Well, I never heard of it. Audrey, you're acting very nervous. Every time she seems to get nervous, she starts trying drinking that soda. It's okay. That's okay, but what I want to know is what does that mean? The perfect law of liberty. Our freedom? Is it like... Because the Statue of Liberty represents our freedom, so maybe... Yeah, but this is before the Statue of Liberty existed, so... It is... <clears throat> The law of liberty. What do you think that means? Is it like the limits of your freedom, kind of? Mm. You know what I mean? Because like you can, like if you do, like you can lose your freedom if you do. Well, let's th let's think about this. How do you have liberty? The Statue of Liberty was a gift from France. 
Yes. Doesn't give us liberty, though. It does not. It's a symbol. But I'm not talking about the necessarily. It could be, but not necessarily the American liberty. I mean liberty in a Christian sense. Okay, so you are then liberated from from sin, okay? Let's go to Galatians. No, I want to go to John chapter 8 first. The Gospel of John. Chapter 8? Yep. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 8. And verses 31 and 32. Before we read that, this is... Um, Jesus has just told his disciples that he is. Um, no, just John. Chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus has just explained to the disciples um, that they are going to eventually see him lifted up. He's um, giving them telling them what is going to happen to him eventually. And this is what Jesus then says to them. Verse 31 now. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, uh, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay. What's that mean? Okay. Well, what it does, how do you know that, how do you get that from the truth will make you free? Because Jesus is the one true God and everyone kept following false gods and they were not real. And, but, and everyone thought they were real, which was not true. And the truth is technically God in his. Okay, Jesus is the truth, right? He is the ultimate truth. Um, and we can say that in the sense that he brings purpose to our life. He fulfills us. But you can say that in a more, um, back to like a philosophical, more uh, academic sense, where Jesus created everything, right? So anything that there is, it comes from him. So anything that's real, that is, that is true, has to come from him. So let's go now to Galatians chapter 5. That's after Romans and Corinthians. Galatians 5, verse 1, we're going to read. This is Paul. Um, he is talking about the gospel, about the truth. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with, with the yoke of bondage. Okay. That's pretty clear, right? Everybody got that now that we've defined a bunch of stuff? That makes sense to us. I, I specifically picked to look at this one because what's the second part of that verse? The yoke of bondage. Yeah, what are you not supposed to do? How does that happen? Right. It's almost like um, Sierra talked about that Jesus broke your chains of sin, but then you're like, I'm going to go put those back on. Yeah, that's dumb. I mean, we all do it, but it's dumb. It is dumb because we're like dumb sheep, right? And we just, we keep doing dumb stuff because I, sometimes we do it even when we're like, I shouldn't do that. I'm just going to do it. Right? Sort of like yeah. some of the slaves that escaped actually stuck money in and went back to being slaves to help free other slaves. But well, that's not, not literal the, shackles. The, well, that's also not the same because they weren't like they were freed from slavery, but right. then they went back to it. That's but kind of that would not work with sin. Because you, because Jesus has already freed everyone. 
and it's up to you to choose. Like That's where the choice comes back. You can't go back and save someone else. They have to make their own choice. So this is a, it doesn't quite relate, but that is true. I have heard of that. So um, let me ask you some questions then, because I want to try to illustrate something here. Um, Audrey. What does success look like? I think you should give her something easy. In your own words. When you achieve something that you, that was a goal of yours. Okay. Briley, what's success look like? Like an accomplishment. An accomplishment. And tell me more, what? Like if you were to finish something that you wanted to do. Okay. That's good. Um, Abby, tell me what Christianity looks like. Oh. Oh. Just like... If I knew nothing about it, tell me okay. what it is. Oh my gosh. Alright. Well, just short. Believing that the Bible is true and like, and that God is, I don't know, accepting God into your heart and like living based off of what he says. Okay. Felicia, tell me what Christianity is. Christianity is kind of like believing in Christ and kind of not, and always believing, kind of like what Abby said, believing that the Bible is true, and but it's also following God and Okay. Um, Sierra, tell me what work looks like. Okay, how about this? Tell me what a job looks like. A job is something that you have to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, okay. That's all right. Um, Michael, tell me what banking looks like. Banking? Banking. Which version of banking? Like, um, just some everyday <laughs> banking. Explain to me how it works. I don't know. You know, all right, that's all right. Wait, there's money banking, but there's yeah. like banking, like... Like banking is not... No. <laughs> I mean like money banking, sorry. Like, so basically somewhere where you exchange, basically so it's somewhere where you exchange money, in which case... The bank will put into stock markets, making even more money, and get back to you. And so even more money help keep the business. Okay, yes. Or just putting your money somewhere to keep it safe. Okay. The bank actually puts your money in the stock markets. They do. If the bank lose all the money, you lose all your money. Right. All right. We won't. That's okay. So, Mallory, tell me how people get to work. Or they what? They walk in Okay. Riley, how do people get to work? Okay, that's good. So you guys had very like big picture answers for everything. Because we're But that's okay. I know you are. You are. I didn't I didn't think but you did you did a pretty good job of illustrating in all of these ideas, most of them except Felicia gave us a very big picture of banking, which is good. It was accurate. But most of what you described for me in Briley's transportation one was an individual experience. When you guys described what <clears throat> Christianity looks like, it was all about your interaction with it. When you guys described, um, well, work was very 
and very existential <laughs> concept of it. But um, banking, I don't know who said it, but they said you put your money there to put it, keep it safe. Right. How people get to work. Mallory said you drive or you walk. Some people also take a scooter though. Okay, but that's still an individual, which is interesting because in a lot of other countries, it's a bus, a train, a tram, if you're in England. You know, it's all these things where you are there with a group. It's not your personal thing. It's not you as an individual. Sorry. I guess so. I mean... Yes, but that's still an individual thing where it's a bicycle. It's not a group public where you get a public transportation, every, right? So, but there, so why did you guys give answers that were like that? Why do you think? That were personal. Yes. Because that's the way we see it. It is. What'd you say, Gideon? It's easier for people to understand. Okay, yes. Seeing it through your lens is much clearer. Why else do you think? It's the first thing I thought of. Good. <laughs> because that's how we know each individual thing that he has as well. Okay. That's what we know about it. What, what's different about what you know about it from maybe other places in the world? Because everyone has their own yeah, different experiences view and different. Everyone sees something different. Culture. Okay. Yeah, and what about your culture made you? Like the way, like the people that you're raised around? Yes. Your specific culture. Let's get specific. Sort of like how there are different our culture? Forms. Where do you live? I live in the. Okay. We slow Medina, didn't you? Yeah, because you slow Medina. We're very individualized. Everyone's different. Everyone comes from We do. Class. Okay. And there are different versions of Christ because there's, How, cause if there's also the Jewish version. If you're learning about something and it's put in your brain since you were. Like yes. So. Born. And it's the only so how about the American like, dream? Oh gosh. Well, um, who I did? Heard, I heard there was a saying that there's no such thing as American dream. There's such thing as American dreams. Okay. And what is that dream? Who is who's the important person in that dream? For some people, it's, it's well. I hope it's you. I mean, it's your right. It's your dream. It's about you. And what is the American dream? Like, what could in one example? It doesn't have to be your dream, but suppose just. I don't know, being sufficient and like, you know, like thriving, I guess. You know what I mean? I think it's like, like other people coming into the country and becoming financially stable. Okay. I feel like a lot of Americans don't necessarily refer to their like dreams as American dreams. I feel like no, they like don't. That. That's, that's more of so just like the people that have American dreams just want like they want a better. Life, okay, they want a better life. They want to improve their lifestyle. Yes. And their way of living. And yes. Most, there's even, and most people in America and have the same goal and the same dream to end world hunger. There's even an entire. Why, so, why are they able to do that here? Because we, we have more freedom than other places. Yeah, it's about individual freedom. That's, that's the basis of why people came here before there was even America. It was, I can do what I want when I get here. Whatever I believe, whatever I follow. Technically, the colonies had to listen to England at first. Sort of, but they weren't, they could. They could still individually like make it. Yeah, they, can't, they could yet, come they, here, and, yet, and because of the distance, there was no one checking up on them. There were soldiers that could that told them what was going on. Not in the beginning. Not Much later, but not Briley's right. Not, not in the beginning. There. there were not. There was it was you in the woods and if you made it, you made it, and if you didn't, people never even remembered you were here. Yeah, most people died from dysentery. Yes. Okay. So I 
pointed all that out to say that there, there is a different way than a lot of the other world thinks. A lot of the other world, the rest of the world, has more of a collective mindset. Sort of like Saudi Arabia, yes, they do. Yep. So, do you, do you, um, how did we get to this point where we have a default mindset that everyone has their own ability to be autonomous, to operate on your own? I mean, not totally, but more or less without anyone else if you choose to. Okay. Yes, that's a very broad. It's true, but where does it does stem from God's structure? But what about God's structure? Tell me some things. It built that our the establishment of our country. Like if that's what you mean. It does. Yes. Where in the Bible do you get that from? That you have this autonomy. Nope. Like where does I gave you one already. We already looked there. Mind and conscience? Right? You got Genesis. You've got that there. Okay, that's pretty good. But usually you want something in a couple places, right? You don't want just one like all I'm assuming have written papers for school. Have you all done works cited page or oh bibliography gosh, yes. or whatever, you know, whichever, what, you, could you have one? I wrote no, two, I have like, I wrote two stories, yeah. I wrote two stories and had one published on the school. That's pretty cool. So you got to have, even with the Bible, when you are looking for answers, you're looking for something to say, yep, that I think that's right. You should, you won't always find it, but you should have a couple places. So or a couple instances. So give me something else of why you know that you as an individual have you have that autonomy that God has given you and that it you are also responsible for what you do with that autonomy. There's a hint there, the responsibleness. I probably say something like the free will that he gave us and our power. Okay, where, what part of the Bible tells you that? Um, a, lot, a, a lot of parts of the Bible say that. That does work? Why does that work? Because you have to believe in the eternal life, Okay, I like that. I was thinking of another part of that, but that's okay. We'll get to that later because I have that down. What's another thing? How about, let's go to Adam and Eve a little farther along in their story. How do you know that they're responsible for their decisions? Because they got Yeah, they had consequences, right? This isn't just an all positive, like, yay, freedom, I can do whatever I want. Like, you have a responsibility that comes with that. Why don't you try to read them? He never told them they had two people. Right, exactly. They chose to. Okay. It's probably because he made it sound How about before they sinned? What was their relationship like with God? They were kind of like... <laughs> yes, it was good. <laughs> they were kind of like... Uh, like a kind of like... Uh, kind of like a son and daughter... Like this, they were like the son of the daughter, God was kind of like the father kind of relationship, is what it seemed like. Yeah. Were they the, I don't know, friends or something? They like, what the if they just be They walked in the garden. What type of a relationship does that sound like? Is that a distant relationship, a contractual relationship, a business relationship? None of those. What is it? Yes, what in very, very, very close. Okay. What would, might we call that besides besides family? I mean Some people call them their like best friend forever. How about personal? Oh, yeah. oh, personal, right? 
very personal. So it's an, and it's on an individual level. And Jesus said that you have to know me. That's his whole thing. You have to come and know me. And that um, the sin of man wants to subvert that. Wants to... That sin creates a divide. Satan likes to use that as a divide between you and make it so it's not a personal relationship. Anything that you can do to make it and you not have that um, sense of individual responsibility or individual um, just... Sort of like how it caused COVID to make sure that people... Well, he certainly uses things that happen to his advantage. I will right, we'll go that like far. The so, of COVID that was in okay, but that's not Africa and had it, and then when they came back and they didn't know it was Africa. Okay, but it's not important to what we're working on right now. Okay, so through history there have been men who have come and read the Bible, and they have decided to stand up and preserve what God's intention is for us. And they wanted, wanted to preserve that freedom of religion, that freedom to choose how to live and to choose God. They didn't, instead of saying you must choose God, they wanted to preserve your ability to have a real relationship by choice. And we're going to look at history and how we have arrived here today, you, you living here in America with that ability. So, anybody want to take a stab where I might start? You probably all heard of it. Nope. Before that. And me. No. More recent than that. It's a document. I remember hearing an audio. Magna Carta? Yeah. Oh. What do you know about the Magna Carta? Nothing really. I just remember the name. Yeah, right? <laughs> was, it about, was it about King? About it. Was King, what was his name? John? Start with a J? That's good. You knew it was King John. Yeah. Wow. So it was an English document from 1215. That's a long time ago, right? Yep. Pretty long. Very long. 805 years, six years ago. Do you know anyone involved besides King John? That's tough. I mean, I'll be honest, I, learned I didn't. I about that in sixth grade, and I haven't learned about it since. So here's some context. Well, this is the perfect opportunity, Felicia. You won't miss out. Have you ever heard of Robin Hood? Robin Hood? Which, which version? <laughs> just just, just Robin the historic, sort of historical Robin Hood. Ah, uh, yes. Everybody watch the Disney King John, or Robin Hood with King John, the little, the, the lion. No? Oh, you miss, you're missing out. It's a very good one. Years ago, they made a little VHS, one where Robin Hood was a fox. Yep, that's the one I'm talking about. Anyways, so any of them will work. Robin Hood is not part of the Magna Carta. But he does, it gives you a point of context for you so you can visualize some things. Richard, the Lionheart, do you remember him in the Robin Hood story? He's the king that's away and why Prince John is able to just run amok and do whatever he wants and tax the living daylights out of everybody. Some people in well, this is that this is that John. He was the brother of Richard the Lionheart, and when Richard died, Prince John then became King John. Impressive, Abby. Impressive. How exactly did his brother die though? Um I think he well he I think he was on the crusade, but he just got like regular sick. Like in travel and died. I'm pretty sure. No, I mean, like, was it seasickness, sea madness? Or I don't know. It's, but he really doesn't come into play at all. So I just set painting you the picture so you can. That, that 
his brother probably arranged for one of the soldiers to turn against him or something like that. No, really I don't think that's what happened. So, anyways, um, so now it is King John, and he is the one who, in the end, is forced into signing the Magna Carta. Now, there's another guy involved, which I would be impressed if anybody had thought it heard of this guy. Stephen Langton. I've heard the name Langton before, but with the Stephen in front of it, never. Yep. Well, he, at the time, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury. Oh, Archbishop. Oh, <laughs> Anybody have to read Canterbury Tales? What? Huh? Can you repeat that? Yeah. <laughs> Canterbury Tales. So, Canterbury is a place in England. It's where the official church of England, like the head church, is there. Um, and at the time, this was still it was still the Catholic Church. And he is then the Stephen Langton is assigned as ruler over all of England's church structure by the Pope. And how do you how do you think somebody got to be the archbishop then? In those days. Personal relationship, hard work and dedication. Yep, those played a part, but the official way was 12 cardinals voted on who it would be, and they all voted, and then whoever got the most votes would be the archbishop. How do you know someone didn't cheat? Well, that's the way it's supposed to work, but really it was what happened was the king would tell all of them, hey, I want you to vote for this guy. This is who it's going to be, and they'd all vote. Well, they nobody liked King John at all, so they did not vote for who he wanted. They all chose somebody else and voted, and then King John went and complained to the Pope, and the Pope said, well, we don't want him. And then, But the Pope told the other 12 guys, hey, this is who I want, and then they voted for who the Pope wanted, and King John said, well, I'm not having him, and got rid of him. And then finally the Pope says, you know what, I think the Stephen Langton will be, fine, will be good. And they struck a deal, and Stephen ends up being the Archbishop. And yes. Well, a king, right? It's Yep. So, what is interesting about this Stephen guy? Yes. So let's listen, though. What is interesting about Stephen is that um, he is actually really a pretty good choice for the job and he is actually in it for the right reasons which is rare in medieval Europe because how did you have power and wealth and land if you were lived in the medieval times if you were a man Okay, that's that's yeah. Woman owns land, and actually, they'd have to marry a man to keep it. Sort of. That does start to change around this time period, but yes, owning land—that's one way. What else? How do you own land then? Some people would. This is very basic. Some people would basic level, huh? Nope. What? Well, maybe. Nope. Not really. If you don't have money, like. Inherit. Okay, so it's all royalty, right? Royal families, barons, baronesses. Some people would actually offer to help someone, like let's say someone's really poor. They would actually, like, and they had two pieces of land, they would actually get that piece of land as long as they helped out around with the farm and offered the crops to them. Oh, yes. They also did that. Yes, um, they were servile. Yes, but that really wasn't real wealth. If you want real wealth, now the other way was to become nope, to become part of the church, and people did it, became part of the church, and got positions to get wealth and power. And it really had nothing to do with being interested in Christianity or furthering the gospel. But the Stephen Langton is actually quite unusual in the fact that um, he is actually interested in what the Bible says. And he comes up, one of the things he's famous for is he's the guy that the reason all the chapters, how it's arranged and split up with chapters and verses that you have today, he came up with that. 
So you can blame him for wherever, if it's split in the middle of a story and it doesn't make sense, that's, that was him. Now there were other people who had done this, but his version is the one that stuck. He was one of the early guys who did it. Now, the other thing that's even more important is he actually did what you are supposed to do. He, when he was preaching, he taught and preached from the Bible. He actually read it, said, figured out what it said, probably did some praying along with that. Instead of telling people, here's what you gotta do. This is how God works, this is how this goes. You have to right, he actually did what um, a big term would be exegesis, which just means that you figure out exactly what it says and you teach that instead of not teaching people, which was the popular thing to do then, was just to use the Bible as, as and your position as authority. And they actually have tons of his sermons because he almost wrote and um, almost like a commentary, what you'd see today, for the whole, almost the whole Bible. So he knew a lot about the Bible. And um, he understood the Bible really well, and that came out in his influence in the Magna Carta. And now, so during King John, back to him, his rule, no one liked him. Even today, all the historians agree, pretty much there's a few just to be different, I guess. But they all say, yep, this guy is one of the worst kings that England ever had. He was so bad that a few years after they were uh, kind of, the barons were kind of picking who they wanted to be next, the next king in line. And there was another guy whose name was John. And they said, no, we can't have any more Johns. That's literally the reason why they said, we don't want this guy. He's another John. He might be bad like the first John. Well, <laughs> so they're, they, actually should, they should have actually gotten to know him beforehand. Who? The... The other John. Oh, they did, but it was about the name. They were worried about the name. People so could, can be just superstitious. Tell him that, just tell him if he wants to be in the change your name. <laughs> it's okay. But there's still, he's the only John. That's why he's not John the first, because there are no other King of England that are John. That's how bad he was. Just, just to give you an idea. Some of the things of why he was so bad was he would literally just steal people's wives because he wanted them. Which wasn't uncommon, but he did it. That's probably one of the worst things. Heavy taxes. He would just tax people constantly, taxing because to fund his campaigns that failed. So normally that would be okay if you were successful in your campaigns, because all the barons would like you because you'd bring them along and they would get wealth. But he was really bad at it too. So. Like, let me guess, his campaign said, vote for me or else or something. No, I mean like a, a military campaign, like to go attack somewhere, but he would always lose. Yeah, those things, those, those things always kind of fail unless that person did something. So, like with the whole right. so the barons are now extremely frustrated with him, all the other royalty, and they own their own castles and stuff, but, um, and they're frustrated with him, so they finally after going back and forth with them a lot and just politics, they come to an agreement or they come up with this agreement they're gonna to try to get him to sign. And it's called uh, the Magna Carta, but a Carta is basically like a charter. It would be a more um, like an English version. And it is basically just an agreement or you might Today you might think of it as a peace treaty, like we're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. Yeah, something like that. And it's called the Magna Carta, which means the like Magnus, like large, because there was another one at the time that had to do all with the King's Forest and like what you could, like how big of logs you could take from there, who could hunt there. And so that's, that's the name, reason for the name. It really doesn't have anything special besides that. And it was a document that has laws and guidelines on how the kings and the barons are going to run England. And there's a few other things in there. Weird things like in the river, river Thames, this is who can fish in it. 
apparently that was a big issue that, that they had. So it really was not intended to be this amazing document that everybody is going to be like, oh, that's the first predecessor to the Constitution and all this other stuff. But <clears throat> there are important things that came out of it, and really it was because of Stephen Langton because he helped to write it. And one of these is called the despot, or despotive clause. And this is what it says. It says, we grant God that the Church of England will be free. What is the gist of that statement saying? We're gonna free the Church of England and it's what's important about it is that they are recognizing that God is over he is the ruler over the church that over anybody else the king isn't in charge of the church but God is in charge of the church and that was huge because up until then the king would just come in and say nope this is what the church is teaching or I want the church to do this or everybody in the church you're going to give me all this money he would be now that still happened tons after this but it's the first time that this statement this kind of a statement was made now does that sound familiar to only answer to god anybody remember famous statement in the bible Not, not what I'm thinking of. Peter did. He said, "It is better to serve God than to serve man." I think. Man makes mistakes, but God doesn't. That's right, and I think Langton, he probably knew that verse. He probably did. He understood. Now, another clause, and this is one that relates a lot more to what it will eventually be our own constitution is clause 39 which says no free man shall be seized or imprisoned or stripped of his rights possessions or outlawed or exiled or deprived of his standing in any other way except by lawful judgment of his equals or by the law of the land so, so it means what just by religion kind of he has to be judged by what he's actually done, like if he's stolen something or something like that. Okay, so it ha judge it can only be judged based on the law, and that is important because for a long time kings would just say it would be whatever mood they were in. Remember Esther and the whole if he wasn't in a good mood and didn't raise a scepter, you were dead. It's still, you know, that's just the nature of kings. Still that kind of thing where he would say, well, I don't really like you, so you're gonna, you have to pay $500 for taxes. And then the next guy would come in and be like, oh, hey, George, how's it going? $100, don't, don't worry about it. It would be different for everybody. So that was a big thing for them. But even more is that it says um, no free man. So it's not just about royalty, but any free man. So technically it wouldn't be like, kind of like slaves. Right, so... Technically women weren't really free So do you know what the, the hiccup is for what a free man is defined as in England at the time? Someone that was not enslaved and someone that was a, someone that was a man in white of skin technically is what they had. Because if you nope. were a woman or a dark skin, they actually didn't consider you a man. Nope. You had to own land. That's what it was all about. Oh, I thought. I thought it was you had to be born. You had to own land. Yeah, they sometimes. No, sometimes not. Sometimes they did have a thing where you had to be. In certain parts of England, they did have where you had to be born into the right family. Yes, but in this specific statement, what it's with the free man as. Um, that definition just meant that you owned land, which is not a lot of people. Remember, this is time of serfs, and like you, you live on your baron's land. There are not a lot of people that own land. Yeah, some people so, had, to get, had to run farms just to own land, and they had to give 
money and the money they make yep. from the crops and the crops to the land barons. Yep. And some people like some. Yes, but that's not what we're talking about right now. Okay. And sometimes they would make it worse slaves than on any land. So. This is, you might say, well, that still doesn't sound very free. It's but not, It's not even fair if you think about it. But this is, things don't always happen overnight. This is slowly the influence of God's people, people who follow him, who are willing to learn from the Bible, having an influence in, on others around them. Now, what happens later in the 14th century, so the 1300s, is they actually changed that no free man to no man whatever his condition. That's a pretty big step, right? All of a sudden, that means just as long as you... Now, doesn't say woman. Sorry, girls. But it, that is a big step as they're slowly changing things, adding more freedom to it. And you say, okay, well, that's great. Big political change. Why does that matter as a Christian? Well, this is a direct example of how you can see how you can have an influence on whatever environment you're in, whether you're in your school whether one day or now you're in a job, in a workplace, your family, whoever it is, that's where, and you don't know what situations are going to come up. Stephen Langton did not, probably didn't even know he was going to be Archbishop of Canterbury. Didn't know that he was going to do this document. Thought it was probably not even, it was important to people then, but he had no idea that people were going to talk about it for hundreds and hundreds of years afterwards. But he had an influence because to him, God's principles were important. And he plants these two important principles that only God is our king. He's the only one who has supreme authority over us. And the sanctity of life, which is important. He's saying, just because they exist, that makes them valuable. Just because they are there, because God put them in this world, they have value. And that's what brings me to, we talked about John 3.16 already, but it, just in case you don't know it, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the important thing about that is that it is God sent his son for everyone. Sent it for the whole world. And that whoever, whoever chooses, it doesn't matter who you are, that you have that freedom to choose. That he's not forcing you into it, but that you are free under his law to choose. And... I got another verse, last verse for tonight. Go to Revelations chapter 22. Last, Revelation chapter 22. Um, last book of the Bible, last chapter. The very end, one of the last things written here. Revelation chapter 22, verse 16 and 17. This is after everything has happened. Judgment is complete. Everybody is um, in John's vision of the future is in heaven that believed in Jesus. All that is over. And this is the last thing that Jesus says to people now. Not in the future, but this is what he says to us now. What John should tell all of us. Uh, verse 16 and 17 now. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am not the root David, the offspring of David. Wait. I am the root. Yeah. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the light star. And the spirit and the bride say, A thirst. A thirst. Uh, 
Okay, so Jesus says here that one of the last things that he has in the Bible for us that I made you all free to choose whosoever will. That means whoever you are, if you are willing to, that you have the opportunity to choose me. You have the opportunity to choose to love me, to choose to have a relationship with me, to choose to live forever with me. And the people that I am calling after specifically are those who thirst, those who are needy, those who are missing something in their lives. That's who I want. Uh, those are the people that I reach out to the most. And Langton's planted that kind of a seed in a document that seemingly wasn't that important, but it has allowed people to say, hey, yeah, that rings true to me. That, that's truth. And we believe that there should be the opportunity for everybody to be free to seek God however they see fit. That everyone should have that choice. We should assist God. We should be part of his plan in helping people to have the freedom to choose. So that is it for tonight. And we're going to keep looking at people along the same theme who have been a partner with God, who have worked in God's plan to help people have the freedom to bring people that opportunity to choose God. All right. Thank you.